Good morning, church. Uh, thank you for having me over to speak about what God is doing through Mission Aviation Fellowship throughout the world. I'd like to start with a quick video of what MAF is doing today. Isolation is a problem. Millions of people around the world live in hard-to-reach areas, in remote jungles, deserts, and mountains, cut off from life-giving resources and the message of the gospel. For over 75 years, Mission Aviation Fellowship has used airplanes to partner with hundreds of missionaries, churches, and organizations to bring help, hope, and healing to isolated people living in the most remote places on the planet. By serving together through generous donors, partners, and dedicated well-trained staff, MAF gives isolated people access to medical care, education, clean water, food supplies, disaster relief, and the love of Jesus. Partner with MAF so that isolated people can be changed by the love of Christ. Pretty exciting that I can serve God with two passions that I have, which is aviation and missions. And you might ask, why does MAF exist? And I'd like to read the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This past fall, I was um, blessed to have taken a perspectives class. I know some of you are missionaries here and have taken it. And uh, Joe Goldbert, which is actually a member of this church, taught the first class. And it really changed the way I looked at the Bible, that we have a missionary God that started in Genesis 12 when he told Abraham to leave everything behind and go. And throughout the Bible, all the way up to there to Matthew 26, uh, when God ascended to heaven and said, go and make disciples. And then all the way to Revelation 9, which is what God yearns is, is to see every people from every time, tongue, and nation come to his kingdom. And that's what MAF is trying to do throughout the world. I'll tell a little bit about my story. I was born and raised in Brazil. Both of my parents are Brazilian. Uh, my father grew up in a very abusive home, and my mom the same. So they both left their homes and got married to try to get out of that. My father was into Brazilian spiritism, animism, some really uh, dark stuff. My mother was a rebel Catholic. She really wanted to read the Bible, but they wouldn't let her. So I got my rebellious ways a little bit from her. Uh, but there was a guy at my dad's department. My dad was an engineer for VW Audi. And this Christian guy from a Presbyterian church kept bugging him until he gave him a book that talked about animism and spiritism. And my father, as a good engineer, 100% logic, he sat down and read that book from 11 p.m. until 3 in the morning. 
when the Holy Spirit convicted him of what he was doing was not pleasing to God. So that very Sunday, we started going to the church of that guy in Brazil. And this guy is a, an American missionary at the Presbyterian Church. His name is Larry Kraft. And through him, I was reached when I was eight years old at that church um, after... Uh, the pastor dismissed the church. My father asked him to pray for me because I had some issues on my legs. And this guy knelt down and grabbed my feet and he started playing, praying in this weird language, which was English, and I had understood nothing about it at the time. And I experienced a physical miracle. So at that age, you can imagine at eight years old, seeing that there's a God, he's real, and he's got power over the, the physical world. And from that day on, I knew that God had something for me. I've always wanted to be a pilot. Um, you can ask Deborah. I'm a planner. So when I, I was nine years old, we got our first PC back in 98, which was a big deal. And my father sat down with me and taught me how to make spreadsheets. So I planned my professional life because I can't remember not wanting to be a pilot. So I put nine years old, equal to cell above, dragged all the way to 60, and I said what I was going to do each year of my life, and I was going to retire as an airline pilot, and that was it. But God had other plans. So um, I came, so my dad said, Well, since you want to be a pilot, you got to learn English. I'm going to send you to the US for an exchange student program. So when I was 16 years old, God sent me up here, and by another orchestrated moment, a Christian family from Columbus, Indiana, of all places, picked me, and they had dozens of applications. And this family was a blessing. I'm here today because of them. They taught me English, so if you can understand me today, it was thanks to them. They paid for my pilot training, co-signed my loans, gave me a car, and allowed me to come back to the U.S. to finish college. And I was about 18, already was a private instrument pilot, and I just had this emptiness that I planned my whole life, and now I had my pilot's license, but there was still some emptiness. So I, I remember I was home from Terre Haute from college, and I went to a youth group, and at the end, the youth pastor said, well, those of you that want to pray, come forward. So I prayed, God, would you please give me some guidance? You know, I planned my life. You've honored all my plans faster than I thought. And went home, and there was this ad on a flight training magazine uh, from Multnomah Bible College in Portland, Oregon, and said, pilots needed. Consider being a missionary pilot. And I said, not me. I want to be an airline pilot. But sure enough, I went and visited. Uh, and transferred over there in the next fall, in the next winter, went to Bible school, and at 19 I was already a flight instructor, uh, professionally paying my bills that age, at that age, and I was going to mechanic school because at the time for you to be a missionary pilot you had to be a mechanic. So they ran that ad once, and I was the only one that ever replied to it. So I think it was meant for me. <laughs> So I finished all my courses, and MAF said, okay, you have the flight time, you're a mechanic, but you don't have a green card, and you're not a U.S. citizen. So if you want to raise support in the U.S., you have to have a green card, and that was the longest process. So my visa ran out, and I had to go back to Brazil. This is another American missionary, the second one in my path. He was uh, Robert from Tennessee. Uh, late 1800s, he left Tennessee to go to Brazil, and he planted this church, First Baptist Curitiba, which is over 100 years old now. It has 18,000 members, and they're adding about 300 per month. And that's where I met Deborah. 
they have 700 active small groups and Deborah was going through her residency in pediatrics when I came back from the US and I met her and as a planner I told her if you want to marry me number one we're gonna go back to the US number two eventually we're gonna go to Africa and I don't know what was going on in her mind and she said yes so we got married and now there's a problem how is it gonna get the green card and this story is another God moment so I ran out of licenses to get I was an airline pilot and I said Deborah I'm gonna have to start studying for something so I started studying for my European license and I had to come back here in Orlando you could take the written test to be a pilot in the UK and in one of those trips I said Deborah let's go to Daytona Beach you know the Mecca of aviation where Embry-Riddle is so we went there and as I parked my car I saw this Japanese Brazilian guy speaking Portuguese with a flight instructor shirt and I said how are you working here he's like oh Embry-Riddle sponsors green cards so at that moment and that crossing that I would have missed him by two seconds that was another God moment and I said, Deborah, this is our way. So we went back to Brazil, saved a ton of money, no kids. She was an ER pediatrician at the time. I was 28 and a captain flying an Airbus. And we saved money, sold everything that we had, and went from you know, being professionals to being a college student. But God bless those plans. I finished it. I got my green card through them. And we had Nathan, our six-year-old boy. And we also had Nicole. So I reached out, this was 2021, I reached out to MAF, I said, hey, I got the green card, can we come out and visit? But then, um, life took a different turn. Our little baby girl, Nicole, she was 10 months old. She was a perfect, precious baby. But uh, she started to snore during the day. She had this strider, and it turned out she had cancer. And I remember it was August when we started coming to Trinity. She was um, came out of the OR. She had a tracheostomy, and the doctor said, um, we're going to have to start chemo. So you can imagine our life just came to a standstill. And I'm very thankful for this church because you barely knew us, but you took us in. And I remember Cynthia driving my mom back and forth from Nemours Hospital to our house. Uh, Nicole did not. Um, Chemotherapy didn't work. We took her to MD Anderson, best hospital in the world for cancer. Found Dr. Kupferman, the world's best neck and head surgeon. He removed her tumor, but in another week, another one just popped out. And in January, we heard the news that it spread throughout her body. And uh, she passed away on my chest on February 11th, 2022. I pulled her oxygen and she just desaturated and died. And uh, we didn't give up on our call to missions. So we went to Brazil for two weeks to grieve with our family. And I told Deborah, we're still going to go. And she said yes. And so I reached out to MAF last summer and said, you know, we want to come out and visit Nampula, Mozambique. Because in Mozambique, they speak Portuguese. And we both do. So that would allow us to skip language school. So we started the application process. And then just last month, we went over to Boise, Idaho, where MAF is based. And it was two weeks of testing and interviewing. And we passed. So they invited us to come back next July, when we're going to, again, sell everything we have, quit our quit my job and go. So these uh, two guys, they were uh, my instructors at uh, Portland Community College. They were both MAF pilots. 
this guy on the left said I have been the longest recruit he ever had because at 19 he started it and here almost 20 years later I'm going but I, I said you know God wants me to have a green card to raise support so that's what the longest that it took so he drove there just to make sure I really went so thanks for listening to my story. Now I'm going to talk about MAF. Uh, we saw the Great Commission is the reason why they exist, but how did it start? A female pilot back in the late 40s during the Second World War, the U.S. basically ran out of male pilots to fight the war, and they started to recruit women. And Betty Green was one of the 25,000 that applied and finished the training. She uh, delivered aircraft from the manufacturing plants to the U.S. bases, but she was also a Christian and had a passion for missions. So she started writing articles during her training. How great would it be if we used this tool of death, the airplane, to be a tool of light to reach people throughout the world? And uh, three other pilots read her articles. They got together and they started MAF. And I know last week you guys were talking about Wycliffe. The first flight from MAF was her taking two Wycliffe missionaries for a Bible translation project in Mexico. And what's MAF's vision is to see isolated people changed by the love of Christ. And I know some of you know the story of Nate Saint, but many don't. So I'll quickly tell the story of how this man, another guy that could have been in the U.S. after the World War, which was the best period in America for wealth and prosperity, but he left everything behind and went to Ecuador. And he knew that there was a people group called the Wadoni, Alka Wadoni. But the problem with this people group is that they were cannibals, murderers, and any attempt to ever reach them turned out to be someone murdered. But he knew Revelation 9 that God wanted every tribe, every nation to, to be reached. So these four other American pilots were in Shell, in uh, Shellmara, Ecuador, and they. Um, Nate Saint was a very, uh, he was a very smart guy, so he found a way to lower through a rope and a bucket presents to the Wadoni people, and they started returning presents. So he said, hey, now it's time for us to try to land our aircraft and really reach them. So they found this really short strip by the river. They called it Palm Beach. They landed the aircraft, and they started to reach out to the Wadoni people. But a lie was told between the tribe, and they killed all five of them with the spears. There's even a movie called The End of the Spear, if you really want to know all the details of this story. And you might say, what, what was Nate saying thinking? Leaving everything behind, they were all married with little kids, and now they died. What was God doing? But this is what Nate Saint wrote uh, 11 days prior to being speared to death. He said, we realize that it's not the call of needy thousands. Rather, it is a simple intimation of the prophetic word that there should be some from every tribe in his presence in the last days. And in our hearts, we feel that it is pleasing to him that we should interest ourselves in making an opening into the Waldoni prison for Christ. And he did that, but you might ask how, what happened? Well, after they were murdered, the, his sister, Rachel Saint, one of uh, Jim Elliott's wife, uh, is the widow, and a Wadoni girl that had uh, left the tribe, they went in again, but this time, the Wadoni people accepted Christ, and that people group is now at the feet of Jesus. And this is what Jim Elliott wrote before he died too. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
And now this is Ming Kai. He's the one that murdered um, Nate Saint. On the bottom is Steve Saint, the son of Nate Saint. And they went throughout the world for decades telling this story throughout the world. And that's basically MF's vision is those people are transformed by the love of Christ. And if you want to watch the movie, it's great. Seventy years later from what happened with the Oadoni people, we still have almost 7,500 unreached people groups. Those are all the little red dots, and you can see a lot of them are in isolated areas. And this is what MAF targets. That's 3.4 billion people that have not been reached. And what's MAF's mission is to serve, is serving together to bring help, hope, and healing. And how do we accomplish that? Uh, hope, I know last week you guys heard about Wycliffe. I can't translate a Bible, but I can fly those who can. So Bible translation, and as you can see, I'm not an evangelist or public speaker, but I can fly uh, the local pastors. And MAF has this program call, called the Flying Pastors in Lesotho, where they stuff the airplane full of pastors, and they know the language, they know the culture, and we fly them in into these remote villages where the aircraft is the only way in, and those people come to Christ. We also do a lot of disaster response since 1976. We partner with 1,500 organizations, and I know next week you guys are going to hear about Cruz Disaster Relief Branch and healing. You know, needles and blood is not my thing, but my wife, that's her thing, so I can take her into villages where she can help people. These are the countries where MAF flies currently. We're hoping to go to Mozambique in uh, South Africa, uh, the south region of Africa. Right there by Madagascar. And I know there's people here that work with the Jesus film. This was in Mozambique. One of our pilots took all the hardware and he showed the Jesus film in their local language, which is a Makua. This is the aircraft that we fly. That's the Cessna Caravan. It's a single-engine aircraft. Fits up to 14 people. I'm currently an airline pilot flying for Spirit Airlines. So it's a little bit smaller than what I currently fly. And that's Nathan in front of another Cessna 206. And how is MAF? Um, what are their goals for the future? These are their four strategic priorities. Expanding our family, like what I'm doing here today. Bringing awareness of what MAF is and what it does and how you can partner by sending, praying, or even going. You'd be surprised the amount of missionaries we get because one day someone spoke at a church about mission aviation and that little message changed someone's life forever. Uh, deepening our community. Um, MF is really good about how they take care of their missionaries. Uh, next July, when we start raising support, they're going to train us, put us on salary, and send us throughout the U.S. to raise support. Um, MF's goal is when they set up a base is to train the locals, and that's what they did in Brazil. As the country progresses and its people get more education, MF trains them and hands the program over to the locals. And these are the five short-term goals that MAF has. Searching for new disciples, supporting the existing uh, missionaries there, local pastors, train the locals, help them with their faith and also with their vocational skills. 
Um, if you guys go to Amazon Prime, there's this movie that came out uh, in about a year ago. It was, it's called Ends of the Earth. He will talk about uh, one of our pilots, too, that had a crash and um, gave her life for MAF missions. And it will show you all the work that we do throughout the world. So if you're interested in watching that, that that's great. And what's the end goal? Is Revelation 7 9. John said, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude, and no one could, no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And this is, as Christians, what we should do. This is why the church exists. Our God is a missionary God, and he yearns for people to come to know, to know him. What if Larry Craft, that American missionary, didn't obey his call to live America in the 80s to go down to Brazil? What if that Robert from Tennessee didn't obey God's calling to go. Would I have met Deborah? Would we have an 18,000 member church in the heart of a large city in Brazil? So God honors those that obey. And obviously not all can go, but we're willing to go, but we can't go alone. We need prayer, especially for this, this next year, where we have to sell our house, sell everything we have. But I trust God. You know, throughout my life, all these little appointments that he had with the green card, with meeting Deborah, with, I don't know what he wanted to accomplish when Cole's death, but I trust that he has a plan for that too, and I know where she's at today. How can you get involved? In the back, there's an MAF table there that you can sign up, you can pray. We need workers too. We're short on pilots. Um, even the airlines are short on pilots. So you don't see a whole lot of airline pilots leaving everything to go. So pray that God would raise teachers, IT, mechanics, and pilots. That's how you can serve with MAF. You can also give. We're not raising support yet, but we will be doing that next summer. So we have a sign-up sheet in the back if you're interested. And you can serve. You can go. So if you guys can visit maf.org and learn what we do, we created a website called jesuspilotdoctor.com. You can go in there. Easy to remember. You can fill out a form and we'll reach out to you if you're interested. And uh, if you have any other questions, you can meet us in the back. And uh, thank you for your time. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for this church that really embraced us during a difficult time. I thank you that Ben and Cynthia also obeyed their calling to leave Alabama, where they were living, to come to the heart of Lake Nona and start your church, Lord. We thank you that you have a plan for each one and every one of us, and I pray that you, we would be obedient because we don't know what you're going to do, but we know that you honor obedience, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.